0: Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we will be talking with Dr. Andrea Meredith and her lab members about the recent article, Comparative Gain-of-Function Effects of the kcnma one n 999s Mutation on Human BK Channel Properties. Dr. Meredith was also featured in the January issue of The Physiologist magazine and in the Netflix and New York Times documentary series Diagnosis. Before we begin, let's meet our guests.
1: My name is Andrea Meredith and I'm an associate professor at the University of Maryland School of Medicine and my research interests are in the biophysics of neural coding and in my lab we study a really spectacular ion channel which is the bk voltage and calcium activated potassium channel and this channel is involved in a whole host of brain functions that are interesting
2: hi my name is hansen moldenhauer i am postdoc in andrea lab i am from chile and my scientific background is a young biochemist, and I did my Ph.D. in neuroscience with Dr. Ramon LaTorre.
0: Could you give us a background on the physiological and clinical implications of KCNMA1 mutations?
1: So there are a group of human patients that have mutations in the KCNMA1 gene, which encodes the BK channel and it's a relatively rare disorder. We know of less than 50 patients in the world that have these mutations that are associated with these symptoms, and they typically present with a severe neurological dysfunction that has kind of two core features, some type of seizure and some type of movement disorders. So the seizure varies. There can be different types, especially when we look across different neurodevelopmental stages. But the movement disorder is often a specific and very rare type of dyskinesia called paroxysomal non-kinesogenic dyskinesia type 3. And this patient population has really only been recently identified, and our lab and other labs have started to analyze their comparative clinical presentations. So we recently wrote a review naming this disorder KCNMA1-linked channelopathy, and that name denotes the level of evidence that we have at this point for causation. So only in a handful of cases, and that centers around one of the mutations that's in this study, D434G, can we establish definitively that these mutations actually cause the symptoms that we see in patients. In other cases, like another mutation that we study in this manuscript, the N999S mutation, we know that several of the patients have both the mutation and the symptoms, but the mutation is actually de novo, so causation is still an open question.
0: Which specific mutations did you investigate in this study, and why are they significant?
1: The two mutations that we focus on in this study, D434G and N999S, actually comprise the largest number of patients that we have in the KCNMA1-linked channelopathy group. So there are 13 patients that harbor D434G, and they're actually in a family, and there are 10 patients that are carrying 999S, and those are all de novo patients. So together, these two mutations account for almost half of our patient population. And as I mentioned before, the D434G is known to be causative for seizures and dyskinesias. But because the N999S mutation is de novo in every patient that we know that has it, we don't have that level of evidence yet. So since many of the symptoms are shared between the two sets of patients that carry these different mutations, we wanted to know more about how the N999S channels function compared to D434G.
2: So these mutations are both gain-of-function mutations, and that means that they increase BK channel activity. So we want to understand how they compare to each other in terms of severity, and whether that could have any implication for the patients.
0: What methods did you use to express and characterize these mutations?
2: Well, we expressed these mutated BK channels in an heterologous expression system, that have the advantage to allow gut expression levels of your protein without the interference of other ion channels. Then, by electrophysiology, we measure and analyze the potassium BK channel currents that are product of how the channels open and close. What were your main findings? The N999S mutation produces a very strong gain-of-function effect on the channel that is stronger than D434G with a 50% more activity at zero millivolt and opens four time faster and closes four times slowest than D434G. So also we use a new set of conditions to study the mutations that include a new set of recording solutions more similar to physiological conditions and a voltage protocol that is a real neuronal action potential. So we think that this shows how the mutation may express itself in some neurons of the brain and how the altered biophysical parameters may contribute to impaired
1: neuronal function. So I'll just kind of tack on to that. One of the major surprises for us was we already knew that the D434G mutation was a pretty strong gain of function in terms of its activity, but the N999S channels are even stronger. And so we think that this could have a whole host of unique implications that both explain how the patient clinical phenotypes could be similar, but also how they may be more different and potentially more severe in patients that harbor the 999S mutation. And then one of the patients in the study actually harbors two mutations, So there's a child that has the N999S mutation and then surprisingly harbors a second site mutation, R1128W. And we were really surprised to find a single patient that actually had two BK channel mutations within the same allele. And one of the important things to understand about that particular patient is we don't think the second site mutation is actually contributing anything more to her phenotype. So, for example, it doesn't seem to be exacerbating the expression of the N999S channel properties, or, on the other hand, it doesn't seem to be compensating for it either. And so I think we have something to add, which is that patient would fit into a category with all of the other patients that carry the N999S mutation, and that patient doesn't necessarily define functionally, at least at the channel level, That doesn't mean that this couldn't occur at the brain level in terms of the symptoms that the patient has. But at least at the channel level, there's a cohort now that that patient can fit into an existing group, and that may ultimately help the patient's neurologist figure out different treatment options.
0: What are the next steps in your work?
1: For me, actually, all of these mutations are attached to real patients. In the course of this project, I've actually met five beautiful young children that harbor the N999S mutation. And so for me, the next steps are kind of personal. Like, I really want to understand how this mutation may produce the symptoms that we see in the patients, in the children that I know and trying to figure out whether there's something that we can translate in terms of manipulating the biophysical properties of the BK channel or knowing what cell types are dysfunctional and how they're dysfunctional that will impact how we think about the seizure and dyskinesia that these kids have. So I very much want to gear my next steps towards thinking about how we can understand the biophysical properties of the channel to inform better therapies for the kids. For me, because BK
2: channel is activated by calcium and voltage, I believe that understanding how these mutations, in terms of the structure and function impairs it, activity could make it possible to bring new perspectives in future treatments.
0: I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article Comparative Gain of Function Effects of the KCNMA1 N999S Mutation on Human BK Channel Properties part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology.